1: Well, welcome back as we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour. I have to tell you, I was just a little tired after my workout this morning, and then I uh, looked at uh, Professor Wilford McClay's piece in the uh, in the Daily Mail today, reached out to him, asked him if he could join us, and when he said yes, it gave me a whole new skip in my step. There are a few public intellectuals. I respect more than Professor Wilfred McClay. He is the Victor Davis Hanson Chair in Classical History and Western Civilization at Hillsdale College, which is probably the coolest name of a title and a place to work of anyone. Anyway, you can tell I'm 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 a big fan. Professor Wilford McClay, Dr. McClay, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us, sir.
2: Well, thank you, Seth. You're, you're just about my favorite interviewer. You already knew that. But, um, <laughs> uh, thank you for the the compliments to the name. And you know, I'm actually being told by people now that Wilfred is a very cool name.
1: It, and, is. Uh, it is. It is.
2: Well, you know what? It was it was the biggest uh, pain in the neck growing up. You know, you think of yourself in class with a bunch of you know, Susie, George, John. Wilfred,
1: Doctor Do- McClay, <laughs> you're you're you're, yes, you're preaching right. to the wrong you're preaching to the wrong church. I you know, I, I know. I, you, you, you grow up with the name Seth Leipsin in Phoenix, me <laughs> you, totally, well, you will be begging that's for true. Wilfred. <laughs> that's true. You you, you,
2: <laughs> you probably feel like the, the Woody Allen character yeah. in Annie Hall yeah, when it, yes. he comes to dinner <laughs> with the
1: family. Yes, yes, exactly. With the mothers, yes, yes,
2: exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: Try having a well, radio show uh, with my name. I you know my name is for a deli, not a radio show.
2: Yeah, Uh, (laughs) well, that's okay. It's okay. You need a a good deli. We also need that, too. Yes, I'm I'm failing
1: on that front as well. (laughs) Professor McClay, before I get to your piece, uh, we can engage in mutual corruption all day long. Let's say a kind word and a decent word about some – well, Lincoln in his Lyceum address talked about the giant oaks that were dying off. Talk to the audience just a moment, if you don't mind, about the giant oak in Midge Dector that we lost uh, yesterday. Oh,
2: gosh, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, she she could have brought a, a good delicatessen to, to Phoenix as well. But uh, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, you know, she was the uh, uh, the wife of uh, Roman Pothoritz, yep. uh, mother of uh, a, a daughter, Rachel. Yep. Uh, with whom I went to college at Saint John's College. Did not and uh that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I knew Rachel. That's how I kinda got to know the family through the daughter. That's who was not uh shall we say a very conservative <laughs> person at that time, but she came around and uh um Mitch just I, I would urge your listeners if you had, if you can to go to to commentary magazines where uh uh, a lot of her stuff is yep. published, yep. it's still available, and yep. uh, I think there's something like 57 essays yep. that she wrote over
0: the oh, years. Oh, yeah.
2: And they apparently, I haven't looked at it yet, but apparently there's a, um, a special uh, sort of web yep. uh, access to yep. all of it's writings. And, you know, she is political, but she also very early on got on to the, the problems of the sexual revolution, yep. and I think nothing that has happened in the last five, six years that has stunned so many of the rest of us. None of it surprised me. Not if you
1: read Midge Dector. No, yeah, not, not yeah. at all. She I saw it all coming. I, you know, uh, my friend, you may know my, uh, my friend uh, uh, Tevi Troy a little bit. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah we were talking yeah. this
1: morning. Um, he was shocked and stunned at how nasty the obituary headlines about her were, opponent he, of feminism, that sort of thing.
2: Yes, he told me that. In oh, fact, okay. I, I was a key, I was emailing him with myself. Today. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the AP <laughs> and the New York Times. Yeah. And, what, yeah. and I said, Tammy, you've got to stop reading those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they don't have the authoritative, you know, it, uh, sort of heft that they once had, and they're they're uh, they're diminishing all the time. But uh, I got to know Midge. Uh, Personally, through uh, my involvement, and this was, I think, will be something your listeners would like knowing. With First Things magazine, sure. which is a, yeah. a a Christian, and actually more Catholic yeah. specifically, I think, inflected. Yeah, Father whatnot. Newhouse
1: started it. Right? Yeah, Father yeah. Newhouse, mm-hmm. right, right,
2: mm-hmm. and and she, but she was uh, very much behind yep. the scenes there, yep. Yep. In, and and uh, and guiding the early years of it, and uh, all the way up to after Richard's death. I think she helped. Yep. Uh, the succession, and uh, and then she just kind of went, well, you know, it's time for me to it's time for me to enjoy retirement. But she was a brilliant editor, had a real sense of uh, uh, her prose was like her husband's, yep. uh, you know, extremely muscular and yep. dynamic. Yep. But she was very much. Um, I, I don't like to say this about many people, but that the stuff she wrote, I think, could only have been written by a woman.
1: Yep,
2: and she had. And, it, and probably by a mother, Yep. Um, she had uh, such insight into the ways in which broad philosophical issues came down to earth in the lives of particular individuals. And uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, and she was a great, she was just a great, she was, you know, the, 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 there is an expression in Yiddish yelmensch you know, Um, I I I feel as if it ought to apply to her, even though (laughs) it mentions it's a gender-specific male term, but um, it means a certain kind of humanity, uh, that wisdom with humanity, with compassion, with a sort of fellow feeling for your fellow creatures, somebody that you know you can rely on in hard times. Yes, uh, and so decent kind of and business
1: willing business. to help anything for the cause, yeah. you know, so yeah. easily accessible. I remember moving to Washington, and I was, you know, there are people, you have heroes, you have heroes in life, you're one of them, and uh, you find out sometimes they are very, very accessible, as are you, as was Gene Kirkpatrick, as was Midge Dechter, Norm, the whole crowd. You know, they write mm-hmm. super strong, they write tough, they write penetratingly and poignantly, and in person you couldn't find a nicer, more helpful yeah. person. Yeah,
2: it's very surprising, yeah. isn't it? You know, right. and, and I think that some in some ways the. The better they are, the more yeah. of a surprise they are on yeah. that level. Uh, sometimes it's the other way. You know, yeah. people, you're idols, and you meet them, and they just turn out... Yeah,
1: I, there's a few of those there, I'm not
2: going to mention... I have a feeling you know exactly <laughs> We'll do that on the after yeah. show.
1: We'll do that <laughs> for that <this> special
2: podcast, for <laughs> Professor. But, but um, <laughs> it's... it's uh, You know, Pascal has this saying in his pensées that, um, you know, it, 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 it's these fragments. and But there's this one that says you know, I read a great book, a great book the other day, and I, um, you know, I came to the book expecting to find an author, and what I found instead was a man, Uh, and and, uh, in her case, a woman, Uh, in full dress, yeah. in full, uh, you know. In, That's in beautiful. In full.
1: That's in full. beautiful. I didn't yeah. know that line. I'm going to have to yeah. use it. That's a yeah. beautiful line. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> that that obituary
1: um, thing, though, that Tevi was complaining about. So I was telling Tevi, I said, you have to understand, and this gets to your op-ed, control, coerce, and censor. That's what the left is about. I, I was I was talking to Tevi, I said, you have to understand, there's a there's a there's an opinion hierarchy in this country now. And we conservatives are just visitors. We're not mm-hmm. on an equal plane anymore. You remember Jefferson's first inaugural, we're all Federalists, we're all yes, Republicans, yes. every difference of opinion is not yes. a difference of principle. Seems to be no, gone. It's gone. We are not is, on an equal plane. It is field.
2: gone. Yeah, But, you know, there are still people, I, I before we get away from Nidge, sure. um, you know, one of my favorite people I've only met once in my life, but is... Uh, Scott Johnson oh, yeah. of uh, the Powerline blog, yeah. also and, uh,
1: very decent, kind man. Yeah, he, he's he, he,
2: yeah, yeah, because he, he, he's very tough. Oh
0: yeah,
2: um, but at the same time, Scott, you know, he, he, music is one of his great interests yep. and popular music. And you know, if you're going to be an ideological purist, you better stay away from the arts in general yeah. and 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 popular music in particular. But Scott, uh, he he doesn't care what Neil Young's politics are, um, which he goes a little further than I do. I can't yeah. stomach you know, uh, but, but uh, partly because I think he's a bad musician. But, yeah, I was just um, going to say, Scott's <laughs> taste, <laughs> it might yeah, be his taste but,
1: more than his politics that gets him in trouble. But, but
2: Scott is uh, resolute. Yeah. about. He's never sort of said, I'm doing this because I want to show how objective I am. No, he just simply does it. Yeah. And, uh, and and I'm sure he gets gripes from readers that say, well, how can you you know, take someone like you know Bono. Yeah, with his insipid, you yeah. know, uh, politics, and, and he says, "No, it's, it's, I, I'm, I love music. Yeah, I love and I love musicians who do great music. They deserve and they get my my respect because Even, not
1: everything has to be politicized, yeah. does it, not, That's right. That's right. And that so is think, another thing I the left has done. We they have, have made no hang, safe space from to, politics, right?
2: And we have to hang on to that. We, we do. can't become the mirror image of that. That's we right. We have to." Um, so yeah, I, I I do think that the the, the politicization of everything, the weaponization yes, of everything, yes. including things things like the arts, including history, my own. Field, my own profession you let's know, pick
1: up on that i got to take a break yeah. you can stay a little while with yeah. us that's great i can
2: stay as long as you
1: want oh sir. that's a temptation yeah. then all right you're going to be <laughs> regretting you said that yeah. professor wilford mcclay is our guest by the way i didn't mention and i must for those of you that want to learn american history and teach it and pass it on his book land of hope an invitation to the great american story you can't do better i'm seth Liebsen, he's wilford mcclay we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Professor Wilford McClay is our guest. He is the author most recently of a great uh, textbook on American history. Textbook's the wrong way to put it. It can be used as a textbook, but it's also great for popular uh, consumption. Land of Hope an invitation to the great American story. And delightfully, he reports there will be a Young Reader's Edition coming out this summer, which we're going to want to talk about. And he has agreed to stay with us a little bit here. So how did Shakespeare put it in Lear? King Lear will live and pray and sing and tell tale, old tales and talk of court news, Professor McClay. That's what oh, we're wow, do that's
2: great. I I was thinking uh, of what uh, you were going to say in, in Paradise Lost, when Adam says to Eve, uh, "With thee conversing, I forget all time."
1: Oh my gosh, but
2: that's even better! Isn't that a great line? That or is that's great. Before the, that's before the fall. I know? love it, it. it. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah, it. I Yeah, yeah. I want well, to talk we're about not exactly the... Adam and Eve, but you yeah. know, <laughs> <and> I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, are prelapsarian. When I talk to you, well, it is interesting. <laughs> you
1: say we're not Adam and Eve. Uh, we're not, obviously, but I was put in mind of Adam and Eve recently, uh, Professor. I, I'm rereading. I'm rereading Witness by Whitaker Chambers. Oh yeah. And wow. it's slow because it's poetic. You want to get every sentence. It's oh, it just is, one it of is. the most beautifully written books. And he talks about something you're getting at in your op-ed in the Daily Mail today, uh, The Daily Mail uh, today, which is about the left. Uh, the headline is Control, Coerce and Censor from Mobs Targeting the Supreme Court Justices to the Disinformation Board and onward. Um, Chambers makes this point that what we're seeing when he was discussing communism in America – is nothing new. He said it was man's second oldest faith that we yeah. shall be as gods, right? And this is the left, isn't it? Control, coerce, and censor. Going to the point I had earlier about Tevi's lament, etc. We, we, we are in a position today where the elites control obviously so much of everything from entertainment to news. And that's, uh, I suppose, not a problem until... The democratic norms take Mm -hmm. a hit, right? The ability to debate, the the ability to think, the ability to discuss, the ability to even have what we might call a government by consent of the governed. They don't want the consent, do they?
2: And and the rule of law that that is entailed in that. Yes, I I agree with all of that, that this is all in danger. This is all up for grabs. It's all... In, it, 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 it it's 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 all the the sort of things we have to make up our minds uh to defend that we we really are in peril of losing our freedom so one of the things I I, I do want I I do want your audience to know and 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 I actually would encourage them to read the the piece, it's, it's, um, you know, Daily Mail's easy to find. And, yes. Uh, and, and I uh, think it's
1: linked um, from Powerline, too. I think it's people, linked from Powerline, yeah, although
2: yeah. That, that tends to slip away. You yeah. know, they have this marquee that, that's constantly getting, oh, stuff. I see. Okay. But, uh, but, but, um, um, I do begin by saying we're living in a teachable moment. Right. Because right. I think, I think this, this is, this is, as Chambers implies, this is an old, old, uh, uh conundrum, mm-hmm. an old, old theme that, that we, um in, living in in a land that is is uh, that is a land of liberty uh that, that relative to the the rest of the human experience you can define liberty in ways that that make us out not to be a land of liberty but if you look at it in the perspective of history of longer the longer view of history that's astonishing how free and prosperous we are compared to the overwhelming majority of human beings that have walked the earth over the years but but that this is imperiled. You know, the Reagan said we're never more than a generation away from relinquishing our freedoms, from seeing them eliminated, obliterated. Um, this is true. I mean, this is why the whole, you know, you know how when you go to a, uh, a, a either a, a religious service or a funeral or something like that, where people uh, light candles, mm-hmm. they, will, they will pass the flame mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. To the next person, mm-hmm. you've, you've heard, It's sort sort of this a symbol it means to bring home to you how fragile, how evanescent how uh um, uh fleeting uh, even subject, yeah. how fleeting yeah, yeah. very good yeah. I mean, how fleeting yeah. uh life itself is, and the things that we treasure um that doesn't mean you know, we can't prolong life uh Uh, but we we can prolong freedom. We can find ways to to do all that we can, at any rate, to make the next generation uh, uh, able to take on that inheritance, and that's up to them.
1: If we seize the teachable uh, moment, you're absolutely right, and you start with the... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
2: So it's always endangered. There's always going to be threats, every generation, and each generation has to meet that threat. And... uh, I'm not sure which generation is falling down on the job at this point. I think it's partly my generation, the boomers, uh, and maybe the successive generation. Well uh, maybe those used. that
1: didn't pay enough attention to that. Way you opened up that quote from Ronald Reagan. You opened up your piece with that was a, that that quote that freedom is only one generation uh, from extinction. This was a passion of his. He first uttered it. I've always thought we in yeah. Phoenix owned a special uh, vouchsafe to it. That was the first time he ever said it was in 1961 in Phoenix and he reiterated that. yeah he reiterated it throughout his career including in his inaugural address as governor of California in 68 i guess it would have been no 67 1967 he was elected in 66 and and yeah. we conservatives have paid lip service to this notion we love to quote it but i don't think we've taken it quite seriously enough when you look at what has gone on in the schools, and not just the universities, but elementary and secondary for, what, a generation, 30 years, kind of leading us yeah. to where we are today.
2: Yeah, and you know, you brought up Chambers. Yeah. You know, we, we actually, in one of our core courses here at Hillsdale, we require students to read his, the letter to his children as yes, yes. the preface to that book, to the Witness. Mm-hmm. And it's itself just a beautiful, wrenching piece of writing. But what he brings out, and I think during the Cold War, it, because the Soviet Union was so easily identified with the other side of this that we didn't quite see, there were a few people, Reinhold Niebuhr was one, yeah. uh, who saw the ways in which the West itself, the West itself was, uh, yes, we were the, the free world, as we said back then, mm-hmm. but we, the West itself had these toxins, had these... Lysomes had these seeds of of a kind of uh, b- view that what progressivism uh, I, is I think identified with that um, uh, we, we the, the human condition is something that can need not and cannot be rested in that we have to improve it we have to constantly re-engineer it with, to greater and greater levels of perfection and this can involve the biological realm yeah. But it, it, but it also can involve the social realm, yes, the cultural
1: realm. Yes, it can. So that, um,
2: the, the, you know, the woke ideology—I and I hate that term, but I feel it, it, one has to use it because it's something. It is something distinct. It's a. It's almost a religion.
1: It's a new Um, old thing. I want to come back to that, if I can. And as well, another contemporary of that generation, Chambers, Niebuhr, you, of course, will remember the famous Judge Learned Hand, sometimes referred to as the 10th Supreme Court Justice. He's talking about liberalism was the spirit, I think he wrote, which is not too sure that it is right and seeks to understand the mind of other men and women. And... How that is just not here anymore. Does liberalism exist in America anymore, Um, Professor McClay? That's what I want to pick up with you when we come back. Or has the left taken total dominance of one of the two major parties here? I'm Seth Leibson. He's Professor Wilfred McClay. Land of Hope, an invitation to the Great American Story and a Young Readers edition coming out this summer as well. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Professor Wilford M. McClay is our guest. He is the author of, among other things, most recently, Land of Hope, an invitation to the great American story. Young Readers Edition will be coming out this summer. I can't commend this book strongly enough to you. I'm going to quote him his own words in a few moments. But first, Professor, um, the point we were raising right before the break, liberalism, of course, you were using the word liberty. They come from the same word, the same root. Uh, is it gone in this country? You think of the things Niebuhr stood for or the great liberals of yore, uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes even, if you want to think about ideas getting accepted in a marketplace. Um, I was quoting Learned Hand, uh, Robert Jackson on censorship. That liberalism, is it around anymore or are we in the grips of a Democratic uh, Party that is in the grips of leftism?
2: I, I think it is not around. I think, it, And I think that... Um, um, I think we really need to make a distinction, which a a number of my friends who are sort of um, on the moderate left uh, have wanted to make for a long time, Uh, and I've wanted to also, between liberalism and leftism. Mm -hmm. That liberalism is a philosophy of uh, individual rights, of the the dignity of the individual person, of uh, the... uh, lightest possible hand of government of the coercive hand of government on the activities of the individual um and uh, this, this uh, that that's not a complete definition but that's i think a start mm-hmm. and that is certainly not where our elites are now they want to engineer us they want to censor us they want to get us right uh, get our minds right mm-hmm. on I- issues and punish us mm-hmm. if our minds are not right mm-hmm. uh, on on issues. They want to punish us for things that we may have said in the past, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, others may have said 300 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is this media for uh, a kind of wholesale purification that is Uh, ultimately utterly mad because it does not accept uh, the um, uh, inherited perfection of all of us of all of us including the ones currently passing judgment Superannuated teenagers yes. that think they are in a position to pronounce judgment. Children and
1: adult bodies, we might
2: say. Yes, children and adult bodies. Thank you. That's better. That's better than my. Oh, no, it's not my phrase. It's not mine. I can't. I
1: can't. I can't claim it. But yes, yeah. that, that is how I describe it. Children arrested development. But and 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 to do this, you know, there are so many to accomplish their goals. There are so many things that I look at and see. Professor, as propaganda, um, yeah. speech is no, yeah. violence. Pro-life is anti-black. Violence is mostly peaceful. I mean, we're in 1984 territory. Yeah, these no, days. it's
2: bizarre. It's bizarre. But you know, I want to tell you what, what we had. Uh, we just had our commencement exercises yes, at, at Hillsdale, and the commencement speaker was a man. Some of your audience may know. You may even have him on the show, Jordan Peterson. Oh yes, and and, and he was. It was a most unusual. But in its own way quite magnificent speech. And one of the things that he says all the time, um, he didn't say it as strongly in this occasion as I've heard him say it other times, but he said it that, you know, the worst thing about all of this is the way it captures the minds of young people who are among the most conscientious, who have the strongest sense of conscience mm. of duty, of compassion. And fellow feeling for others, and because they
1: and come from a pure place in the, in yeah. aboriginal, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, and 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 there's something unshielded, unguarded mm-hmm. about their moral imagination that mm-hmm. they they can be captured by this sort of totalitarian ideology that the whole past, the human race must be cleansed before we move forward, and we, we cannot. This is one of the issues in, the, in my article. We cannot love our country. Until we make it um, perfect, until we make it lovable, until we expunge all the false ideas and false monuments. So we have to tear down the statues, tear down the statues not just of uh, Robert E. Lee, but of Thomas Jefferson. And of, uh, not just Douglas of Thomas Jefferson, even, yeah. but. But yeah, Frederick Douglass. Right, Frederick Douglass. You would have Is thought out. he would be immune. No. They start you know? with the
1: kids, don't they? They, they yeah. uh, short segment. Yeah. We'll take a quick break. This was short. We have a longer segment coming up. But that's why they have to start with five-year-olds and even four-year-olds, don't they? I was reading in the second part of the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx talks about the threat of the family to the revolution. And he says the best way to vanish the Western tradition of the family, BLM noted, uh, uh, noted phrase, it's from Karl Marx, uh, part two of the manifesto, he says is through social education. People are wondering why they're targeting four and five year olds. It's for the reason you just said, even changing the dates, not just their nature, but the dates. We'll pick up on that with Professor Wilford McClay when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am uh, blessed to have the best professor I've never had, Wilford McClay. (laughs) (laughs) But you can have him. I do get him because his book, Land of Hope, An Invitation to the Great American Store. If you don't have it, it's the one book I want you to buy. Uh, Professor, if I might, uh, I want to... um, I want to talk about another aspect of the left with you. We were tra- talking about changing uh, dates, 1619, changing the effort to change human nature, targeting our children at ages of four and five, how these have become a thing for the left. Anyone familiar with Marx, as I was saying, understands where this is coming from. But also this, I don't know a better word for phrase, jumping from lily pad to lily pad. You write, A Culture Without Memory will necessarily be barbarous and easily tyrannized, even if its technology is advanced, for the incessant waves of daily events will occupy all our attention and defeat, all our efforts to connect past, present, and future, thereby diverting us from understanding, the understanding of human beings that unfold in time, including the paths of our lives. I call it the crisis-industrial complex, Professor. They want us in agitation constantly, don't
2: they? Yeah, yes, they do. And, you know, this... Actually ties back to your point about the family, okay. because um, you know the family is ultimately. Um, I think of some of the <laughs> the great families I know. There's a family there in Phoenix. So I'm thinking of it. Like, I'm talking to you about this, hoping they're hearing me. Um, that 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 the memories of the, the, the children that grow up with that family, with those loving parents, yeah. um, and loving sisters in that particular case, uh, um, is going to stand up against any effort to sort of propagandize them and tell them, no, it isn't what you think it is. It's really a, a sort of system of oppression, of patriarchy, of you know, whatever whatever kind of uh, sure. tool you want to use to, to undermine their sense of, uh, of groundedness in their own experience. And the, to undermine the solidity of the family, which we've gone a long way towards doing, yes, um, is is uh, an essential part of that. Because, uh, you know, um, uh, sociologists talk about mediating institutions that mediate between the the individual and the state, and the, the, the national government or international government. My,
1: in, in Michael Novak once there. said, "Yeah, Michael there, Novak, my, great, yeah, right." Exactly. He once said there is no better department of health, education, and welfare than the Western family. Yes. And uh, circling back to Midge Dector, I was watching some testimony of hers yeah. to Congress in the 90s. She was talking about how technologically this world has, you know, put people on the moon, has created trans tra- international travel. Um, th- there is nothing that anyone could possibly want for lack of technological innovation and uh, invention. And yet, and yet, here we are still debating the importance of the family.
2: Yeah, well, you know, the family is—it's—it's a—it's a difficult institution. You know, it isn't perfect. Uh, a lot of us—I—I'm I, fortunate in this respect that—I mean, this doesn't fit me, but a lot of us spend. A fair amount of our adult lives, kind of undoing un- un- the things that happened to us in, in less <laughs> than perfect families. And look, I, I think uh, you know when, when, when the, the Ten Commandments include among its uh, non-suggestions, "Honor thy father and thy mother." This is sometimes a really difficult thing to do for many people. Sure. Um, it's also a difficult thing to do for many people who are narcissistic and yep. self-centered yep. And, and and all that but there are there are others for whom you know the family is a difficult institution but there's no substitute there is no substitute um and and try as they may uh, people on the left have never really been able to supply. Are you, do you think they're uh, trying
1: to do the schools uh, as a substitute? Some kind of parents patria like Cuba or like the Soviet Union where the state is the father when they tell us parents are not and should not be in control of their children's education. They are our children. This new mantra we've heard yeah. of late. Is that what they're trying to do?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there is definitely some of that. The notion that that uh, you know the, the the whole purpose of public education is to and this is not a bad idea as i'm about to state it is that that public one of the rationales for public education is the formation of good citizens yes but and what do you mean by good citizens do you, you mean something um much more totalitarian than we have ever meant by that term that this is somebody who who um uh you know there's a very brilliant guy uh, at boston university named charles glenn who is has uh, a student of education and uh, I, 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 we, we, I called him Charlie, and Charlie. I saw Charlie once in a conference in early fall, and I said, "Charlie, what did you do over the summer?" He said, "I read everything that John Dewey ever wrote." Mm-hmm. I said, "Wow!" Yeah. And He lived to tell the tale. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said, "You know what I discovered is there's nothing anywhere in John Dewey about uh, John Dewey about parents." Interesting. Uh, that's
1: I wow. think
2: uh, profoundly indicative. You know what? what In fact,
1: that's indicative. And then the other side of that coin is indicative. I remember our friend we discussed earlier, Tevi Troy, he was telling me about a recent trip to San Francisco, an extended trip to the inside the city of San Francisco. He's well traveled. He said he's been there before. He said, you know what he noticed? No children, Mm -hmm. no kids. Uh That's interesting, too. The other side
2: of it. And by the way, something else that Jody Bottom wrote about years ago uh, in first things uh, no no cemeteries
0: uh-huh. no
2: no uh-huh. burial uh-huh. no no consciousness of generations that have come before uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know Burke has this great line and Chesterton is a version of it too that you know the, the, the there 's this thing called the contract of eternal society, which binds this together living with the dead and those yet to be born. Yes. What a beautiful yes. idea. We have yes. completely uh, abrogated in our way of life, that we, that we think, we don't think of the past, that's just tradition, you know, and tradition is to be dispensed with, and we don't think of the future, because, I mean, look at uh, look at our policies on abortion.
1: Uh, they want you know, to change are, our past you, you, and eliminate uh, our future. Boy, is yeah, that well, powerful! Take, is that yeah? Powerful? Take
2: no awareness of yeah. our future, and I think this is something that we have to, we have to give me good.
1: that reference again. Where is that? Re- That's Edmund Burke.
2: Burke. Burke it, it, it's in the Revolution. The, the uh, reflections, uh, on, reflections on, the revolution on the Revolution in France. France. Yeah. France. Um, That's the fantastic. Contract of Eternal Society. Contract
1: um, of Eternal uh, Society. Yeah.
2: It's Fantastic. and it's really very powerful. Well, um,
1: I learn something from you every time I well, we talk.
2: Well, you. you know, and, and your your readers, uh, your listeners. I call them readers because what you do is so literate. Oh, but, oh thank um you. Your listeners should um, should look it up too. I, in fact, anybody who wants to write me <laughs> at Hillsdale uh, W McClain dot com. I I will tell you that. The, the, they give you the reference.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wrote it down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably do a monologue on it tomorrow. Yeah. You, gave yeah. me, you gave me great thought. Well,
2: reference. you know, Chesterton has a similar idea. It's in his book, and I can give you a better, yeah. more precise reference. Sure. It's in his book called Orthodoxy. Yes. There's a ch- chapter called, it's a funny title, The Ethics of Elfland. Oh, okay. And it's really, you know, he, he's always defending fairy tales and fantasy as a source of wisdom. But in this chapter, he says that that um, tradition is the democracy of the dead uh-huh. because uh-huh. it includes the dead. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the, the dead have a right to vote. Yes, you know, yes. just because they're, they don't happen to be walking around doesn't mean they don't still have a vote. And, and he has a phrase in there that is something very similar to the Burkean line about the uniting the living. With the dead and those yet to be born. Well,
1: you you gave me my monologue for tomorrow, Professor. You give us all, you wrote the book, The Land of Hope. You give us hope. Land of Hope, an invitation to the great American story, is Wilfred McClay's uh, latest offering to you. I want anyone who cares about American history to buy it and be on the lookout. We'll have you back when the Young Readers Edition comes out this summer. Professor McClay, thank you for your everything. Thank well, you for who you pleasure. are and what you, you do. You're
2: going to cut me off, huh?
1: Well, the time and the <laughs> cut me clock off is on my endorphin supply here. I have uh, a contract of eternal
2: Yeah. I Salem Communications do contracts that are eternal. I, that uh, that really would tell me on that. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: Professor, we love you so much. It's great to talk to you. you it's too, great to so.
2: talk and it's great to talk to your audience. I know a number of your listeners there oh, in Phoenix that's and sweet. Uh, and they're great people. You're the best, Professor um,
1: McClay. Thank you, sir. Okay, we'll Godspeed and God bye bless. Bye. You betcha. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. For those of you looking for a remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, I want you to check out my friends at Y Refi. They are my friends as I've spent so much time with them. And as I say, what they are offering is really remarkable. I'm talking about a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Why Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out of debt the right way, doing the right thing and paying off their debts, doing so with dignity. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by, as I say, great people who are doing great work by helping others and you can Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y, dot com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. They're a local company. You can go visit them. You won't get a sales pitch. They'll just tell you what they're up to because they are proud of it as well they should be. And you can be a part of it too. Investyrefi.com or call them at eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. 855-316-3087. One of the things Professor McClay writes about is the importance of history and meaning and that the study of history is the refinement and intensification of that basic human impulse for meaning, which is why this Memorial Day we are commemorating those who paid the ultimate sacrifice and trying to do our part in honoring the price of freedom, their memory, and their history. We're looking for stories from you about those who did pay that ultimate price— and on the week of May 23rd each day, I'll read incredible stories of heroism from you, our listeners. And while we're honoring all stories, we'll select at random one of those stories that will be honored with a flag that is flown over the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C., in honor of all our veterans. So this Memorial Day, share a special part of history with us. You can go to 960thepatriot.com to learn how to share your special story and then listen in the wake of May 23rd. You may hear it.